0: on, man. There's some beautiful stuff in the Bible. There's some stuff in there. You got to admit, it's not what we can call family friendly. Think about it. There's a reason you don't see some of those illustrations in the precious moments Bible. You don't see Cain and Abel in the precious moments. uh, Isn't that precious? So I never understand parents who will paint Noah's Ark on their kids, little kids' bedroom walls. It doesn't make sense. Noah's Ark's a great story, but it's just out there, man. It's like, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm painting Noah's Ark on your wall, sweetheart. My favorite story. You know where God sends a worldwide flood to kill every living thing? Yeah. I I love it, it's awesome. Hey, grab a brush and paint some screaming people on that rock (laughs) for me, just to make it real. It's gonna be great. Look in the baby's room. I painted the stoning of Stephen. You're going to love that. <laughs> those birds, no, those are locusts coming to kill you. That's what they're doing
1: love Tim Hawkins, amen. <laughs> he is awesome. He's actually coming in October. You should check it out if you, if you can make it. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 8, probably on about page 3 if you're using one of the provided Bibles. Our host team's coming around right now. If you need a Bible or pen or newsletter, just raise your hand. They'll get that to you this morning. Uh, we also want to welcome our first-time guest to Orchard Church. Can we give them a big welcome, Orchard Church, to our first-time guest? Glad you guys are here. If you are a first time guest, we'd really appreciate it. Inside your newsletter, there's a connection card. If you just fill that out and give us your information, tear that off. Drop it in the offering bucket at the end of service. We'd really appreciate that just so we can send you a thank you card in the mail. Just thanking you for being our guest and a free gift. We're not going to bug you other than that. So let us know who you are today, uh, first time guest. Also, I was informed that there is a black Jetta uh, that is in the parking lot with its lights on. So if you don't have the automatic turn off light thing, then you might want to check those out, James Conyers. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Just have fun. Oh, it's actually you, Liz. Okay. Well, we got you covered there. Uh, we're going to continue today the story of Noah. And we're in a series this summer called New uh, Beginnings. Is the, is the series is Stories in Genesis Beginnings. And today, the title is The God of New Beginnings. And you know, as Tim kind of talked about there, he, he did it in a humorous way, but it's true. If you just think about how the story of Noah came about and what God was doing, it can kind of be depressing. I, I mean, God is looked across the world, and everyone he's made, and all of his creation, and God is grieved, as we saw last week in his heart, that he ever made man because of the evilness and wickedness that was on the earth at that time, and so God decided to destroy, to destroy the earth and every living being, and, and I mean, if that's all that happened in that story, then we wouldn't even be here today, and it would be incredibly depressing uh, and a downer of a story, but as we saw last week, there was Noah, one man that God found grace you know, in, in the eyes of Noah, and because of Noah, he decided to give him a new uh, beginning, and we saw last week that Noah was a man that we should strive to be like. He was a man that walked with God, who worked for God, who waited for God, and now today we're going to see the reward of of Noah's life, and Genesis chapter 8, we kind of ended, it was kind of a downer last week in chapter 7, as Noah and his family were on the ark, they were on the boat, and every living thing had been destroyed except for Noah and his family and the animals, but Genesis chapter 8 brings incredible hope. Are you ready for some hope this morning? Say yes. Yes. Some encouragement, a new beginning. That's what we're going to see in chapter 8. And you know, Noah, you got to think about Noah. He is on this ark now, and everything else has been destroyed. And God never told Noah how long he was going to be in the ark. What the Bible tells us, see, he was on the ark, we're going to see it today, over one year. One year and about ten days. But he didn't know. I mean, he's going through this incredible storm in his life, literally. And he's on this boat, and I'm sure he was starting to feel very lonely and alone. Maybe he felt forsaken. Maybe he felt a abandoned. I mean, that's what happens to us when we go through storms and trials in our life, isn't it? Have you ever been through a storm or a trial in your life, or maybe even right now, and you felt forsaken or abandoned or alone or like, man, nobody else knows what I'm going through. Anybody like that? Raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand high. You ever felt that way? We've all felt that way. We've gone through something in our life that was very challenging, a trial, a difficulty, and and we felt forsaken, alone, abandoned. And you know, that's what Satan, our enemy, wants to do. When we go through a trial and a challenge and a difficulty in our life, and maybe you're going through something right now, then this message is for you today. And if you're not going through something right now, then this message is for you probably tomorrow or the next month. Because it's not a matter of if, if trials will come, but when they will come. And Noah's story today gives us great encouragement of that new beginning. Because when we go through a trial and difficulty and challenge in our life, our enemy Satan loves to whisper in our ear, God has forgotten about you. God has abandoned you. God has forsaken you. Where's your God now? And I'm sure Noah probably felt that way. Maybe you've gone through something in your marriage, or with your finances, or with your children, or maybe it's a health need. Maybe just just something in your life, and and you felt forsaken, you felt abandoned, and you needed a new beginning with God. Well, that's what we're going to see in Noah's story today. When you consider what God does in Genesis chapter 8, it's very encouraging. You guys ready to get into this today? This is going to be encouraging to all of us. So in your notes, the first thing, we're going to see several things about the God of new beginnings today that bring encouragement and hope. The first one is this, you have it in your notes. It's this, that God remembers His own. God remembers His own. God remembers His people. And and we just look at the very first verse in Genesis chapter 8. There's so much encouragement in this first verse. Then God, everybody say it, church. What's the next word? Remembered. Everybody say remembered. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. God remembered, when they were out there floating in the middle of nowhere for over a year, God remembered Noah and his family and his promise and what he was going to do for them. You know, we all quote the verse very often. It's one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 13, 5, that God says, I will never leave you or what, church? Forsake you. I mean, aren't you thankful for that verse? Praise God for that promise. And that was a promise he had made to Noah, and it's a promise he's made to all of us. But we can know that verse cognitively in our minds, but our hearts can sometimes feel something much different. I know that the Bible says God will never leave me or forsake me, but in my heart right now I'm wondering, God, where are you? Are you sure you know what you're doing? Are you sure you're still, you haven't forgotten about me? You haven't abandoned me? You haven't forsaken me? I'm sure Noah must have felt that way at some point in that over a year on on the ark when no one else existed but him and his family. And that's a normal human emotion. And all of God's choice people in the Bible, almost all of them felt that way at some point. David, the psalmist, in one of his psalms, when he was going through a trial in his life and he felt like God had forsaken him, he said this. He said, God, why do you stand so far away from me right now? You ever felt that way? I have. Paul, when he was in Asia, he was going through all kinds of persecutions and trials in his life. He desperately cried out to God. He called it desperate times. And if you need another example, how about Jesus himself? He was God, but he was also fully man. And and as a man on the cross, he cried out to his father. What did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen, if Jesus can feel that way, then we can feel that way. But here's the good news. The God of new beginnings remembers his own. He does not forget us. He remembers us. This word remember here in the Hebrew is from the Hebrew word zahar. And it means this, to pay attention to. To fulfill a promise and act on the behalf of someone. And and the person that God is acting on the behalf of in Genesis chapter 8 is Noah, who's been out there for one year. I mean, he's been with all of these thousands of animals. I mean, can you imagine what that must have been like and smelt like? And if those animals weren't bad enough, he was with his in-laws, the animals. I mean, can you imagine being with all of your in-laws for over a year on a boat with a bunch of animals? I mean, you know people were asking the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I don't know when we're going to get there. And how forsaken alone that they must have felt. I'm sure probably somebody said, has God forgotten about us? And maybe they grew impatient. And there's a principle in the story that we need to remember. It's this, that destruction happens quickly. Trials come quickly, but restoration takes time restoration takes time you know this flood came in 40 It rained 40 days and 40 nights but then the bible says it was 150 days of the water continuing to rise and then it took another 150 days for the waters to descend uh, from the earth so noah and his family could get off you know things trials and difficulties come in our life sometimes in a moment in an instance but we got to give god time to work through those things and have His plan work itself out in our life. And one of the things that gets us through those trials when it seems like it's going on and on and we, there's never an end in sight and we feel forsaken, and God where is us, we need to remember this truth that God never forgets or forsakes His people or His promises. Amen? He never forgets. You know why? Because He's our loving Heavenly Father. And we're His children. I remember when my kids were, were very little and maybe sometimes we'd take them and drop them off at a friend's house or, or maybe we'd, as they got a little bit older we'd drop them off at the mall with a friend or something. And Many times our kids would say this, don't forget me. Or we're supposed to pick them up after school, you know, for something. Don't forget me. You know, and as a father I'm thinking, there's no way I can forget you. I mean, it would be funny every time they would say that. I would say, I love you. I'm your dad. You know, we're your parents. We would never forget. There's been times we've wanted to forget you. And, but, but we can't do that because we love you too much. And our Heavenly Father loves us too much to just forget about us. Amen? And and so don't let Satan, the enemy, convince you that God's forsaken you or he's abandoned you or he's, he's left you alone. We can depend on our Heavenly Father no matter the circumstances or storms of life or how we feel because God has made a promise. The God of new beginnings promises to remember his own. That's encouraging. Not only that, but we see in the story, not only does God remember His own, but the the God of new beginnings renews His world and Noah's world. Just like He promised He would. Look at uh, verse 1 and we'll continue on to verse 4. It says, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him on the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. And this is the supernatural wind of God. This is the same kind of wind that caused the children of Israel to pass through the Red Sea. Remember when God parted the waters with the wind of God. And he caused this this wind to go over the earth, and the waters subsided. And the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. Because remember we talked about last week, it wasn't just water coming down. It was also water coming up from the fountains of the deep. He stopped that. And the waters, verse 3, receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters began to decrease. And then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. I want to point out a couple of things in verse four. Notice it says the ark it didn't say the ark stopped. It doesn't say the ark landed. It doesn't say the ark the ark docked. It says it what? It rested. That's an interesting word that God chose there because Noah's name means rest. His name means rest, and the ark has rested, and Noah is now about to bring rest. Remember last week we saw when Noah in the genealogy showed up in the Bible, uh, his father Lamech said, this man will bring rest to a weary world and bring, bring hope to us, and that's what we see pictured in Noah as he's about to get this new beginning, and then I want you to see something else. It says that the ark rested on the mountains of Ararat. Notice it doesn't say the mount of Ararat. It's the mountains. It would be like saying, you know, that we're going to explore the Rocky Mountains. Well, which mountain? Well, there's a lot of them, but it's one of those. Because for many, many years, people began to search on Mount Ararat itself. It's a 17,000-foot peak, and they didn't find any boat or remnant of boats. So they thought, well, maybe, you know, the Bible's wrong. Until you look at it, it says it was in the mountains. It was the range. And the mountains of Ararat, that, that mountainous range, runs from Iran to Turkey to Russia. It's a huge mountain range. And back in the 60s, they were doing some aerial photography, and they noticed in the mountains of Ararat, if we could put this picture up there. Do, do you see these? This is part of the mountain range, okay, of Ararat. Do you all see this right here? Right here? Y'all, y'all, are you all on the screen? Okay, there you go. You can say yeah. Oh, Hello? Right here. You, what does that look like to you? That looks like a boat. They found that in 1960 they sent some explorers to explore it but they didn't have the right scientific, you know, instruments and so they walked away thinking, "Ah, oh, we don't know, you know, if it's really, you know, a boat or is it just, you know, is it man-made or naturally made?" And then an, another group went in the 1970s but they took the right scientific uh, measurements and they, they measured it, they tested it, and at the end of all their testing and it was on the front cover of Life magazine, they said, "You know, we believe with 99.9% accuracy, we have found Noah's Ark." They said that they did all the testing of the timber that was petrified. They said there's no way that this formation was natural. It had to have been man-made. They found, um, you know, pottery. They found uh, metals. They, they proved that it was wood, you know, that had been put together by man. They, they found other materials and, and all of that. And, and you could actually go visit this. It's in, in Turkey today. They, they have a place that you can go. And if we look at this next picture, this was one of the things that was, it's a different view of this same boat-like, structure, and they measured it, and the length was 515 feet. It had a pointed bow, a door opening in the side. The upper decks, they they studied that. They found that, of course, they had collapsed over thousands of years, and these rib timbers were on the side here. They proved that those were man-made, and the measurements of this structure fit almost a identically what the bible what we looked at a couple of weeks ago is it noah's ark i don't know but i think that's pretty interesting if you want to find out the whole story you can go to arkdiscovery.com and there's a whole article and a website about this but i think that's pretty cool and it fits the biblical description because they found it in the mountains of errat we want to go on here and look and pick it up at verse five how god renews his world, Noah's world. It says, and the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. On the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were now beginning to be seen. So it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which was going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out for himself a dove. You know, a raven is a sturdy bird and so when he let the raven go. The bird the raven, could find a way to survive on its own but he knew the dove was more gentle and could not survive if it didn't find land. And And so Noah sends out a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And she returned to the ark to him, to Noah, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and he took her and he drew her into the ark to himself. And you know what I see in verse 9? The same thing that Noah lovingly did to care for and take care of that dove was what God was doing for Noah at the same time. As he was gently reaching out and protecting and caring for this dove. And then verse 10. He waited yet another seven days. And again he sent out the dove from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening. And behold a freshly plucked olive leaf. Which meant what? There was land. There was, there was vegetation that was starting to grow. And, and, and the water was receding. And it had this freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth of the dove. And Noah went... Or Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. And you know, to this day, the picture of peace around the world is a dove with an olive branch in its mouth. Is a picture of peace. comes right here from the story of Noah. So he waited yet another seven days and went and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. Which means it found a lodging place. It found a nest. And it came to pass in the 601st year. When we when Noah got on the ark, it was in the first year of his when he was 600. Now he's 601. He's been on the ark a year. In the first month of the first day of the month. So it's the first day of the month. That's important when you see what is about to happen. So he's 601 on the first day of the first month. And that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked. And indeed the surface of the ground was dry. Look at verse 14. And in the second month on the 27th day of the month the earth was dried. What you see here is that Noah, even though the ark rested on dry ground and he looked out and the ground was dry, Noah waited 26 more days to leave the ark. Why? You know he wanted to get off that boat at this point. Why is he waiting 26 more days? Here's why. Because God had not told him to leave the ark yet. God told Noah to build an ark. He told him to get on the ark. But God had not told him to get off the ark. He, and he wanted to get off the ark but he was showing great patience and obedience he was not going to get one step ahead of God even though circumstances looked like it would be no problem to leave the ground was dry, everything's okay he waited for the voice of God to tell him his next move and his next step can we learn something from that church? absolutely we can can God renew our world like he renewed Noah's when we're going through trials and storms? can he? absolutely he can but here's the key we have to be willing to show the same patience and faith and obedience that Noah showed I think a lot of times the reason why we don't get out of storms of life quicker is because we keep trying to take things into our own hands we keep trying to help God out we get a step or two ahead of God and God's like I'll I'll wait I'll wait days like a thousand years to me no problem and if we would just be patient And we would be more obedient and have more faith like Noah. Maybe God would renew our world a little bit quicker. You know, the way we try to get out. You know what some people do when they get in a storm of life? They leave the faith altogether. Oh, God's forgotten me. God's abandoned me. They get out of church. They get away from God. When they just should have waited and been patient for God... To give directions and give the next step. I think of of James gives us some wonderful practical instruction. When we go through trials and difficulties in our life that match Noah's story. I I love this passage. I share it with people anytime they're going through a trial. If I'm going through a trial, I remind myself of this passage. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, you know who brethren are? Christians, believers. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When was the last time a trial came in your life? And you're like, woohoo, all right. You know, we don't don't thank God for the trial, but we can thank God through the trial. We can count it a joy when we fall into various trials when you remember the the rest of what James says. Knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces, produces what? Patience, which is something we could probably all do better at. But let patience have its perfect work. Let God do what he's trying to do. Give him the time that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That's exactly what Noah did. Let God renew your world as you show patience and faith and strength and trust in God in His time and His voice to give you the next steps. You see, God remembers His own. God renews His world. He gets a new beginning. And because of that, God rewards faith. That's number three. God rewards faith. He's about to reward the patience and faith of Noah. Look at verse 15. Then God after 26 days spoke to Noah saying, "Go out of the ark. You and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you." God finally tells him, "Okay, now you can leave." He gives him the instruction. "Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that you that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth." Does that sound familiar? That was the same command that God gave to Adam. The very first man and woman. He gives it again to Noah because Noah, and when he comes out of the ark, he's like a second Adam. He says, be fruitful and multiply. We're going we're to get a new beginning. We're going to start all over again. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. And he gets this new beginning. And every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and whatever creeps on the earth according to their families went out of the ark. And, and God is now rewarding Noah's faith as he gives him this new beginning. As we said, Noah is a great man of faith. He's mentioned some 50 times throughout the Bible in nine different books. Hebrews chapter 11, God gives this big list of incredible people of faith in the Bible men and women uh, we like to call it the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 and Noah's mentioned there he's mentioned because of his faith Who he walked with God he worked for God he waited for God and now he's waiting again for God for God to give the directions to go out which God finally does in verse 16 I like the way one writer said it about us in trials and storms of life having to wait on God and he said it this way and you have it in your notes obeying the will of God involves not only doing the right thing in the right way for the right motive but it also means doing it at the right time that's good isn't it doing it at the right time what is the right time God's time when God says to go when God says go when God says stop when God says it's okay to to go out have you ever had to wait for something in a storm of your life anybody had to wait you know, maybe you, you, you wanted to buy a house, you wanted to sell a house, you had to wait. Maybe you wanted a spouse, you had to wait. Maybe your marriage is struggling, you had to wait for your spouse to come along, you know, to work things out. Maybe you're waiting for a job, maybe you're waiting for a healthy. Maybe some of you today, God has, you know, I love what Gary said. You know, we're all here for a purpose and a reason today. No one is here by accident. Do you believe that? And maybe some of you are sitting here today because you need this message from God. There's something in your life you're waiting for right now and you've been waiting for will you continue to wait and be patient and let God do what he wants to do and 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 let things be according to his timing not yours you know I've told you guys before uh, God placed a desire in my heart to plant a church like orchard when I first went into ministry some 22 years ago it was about 15 years of this desire but Shelly and I were just waiting for God to say go and the moment God said go we went and God is blessed because of it. And I know that if we'd have gotten one day or one step ahead of God, then we'd have made a mess of everything. A lot of people ask us, you know, is, is Orchard Church ever going to get a place of their own? You know, get, get a building, get, get land. You know what? We might. That's in God's hands. If God wants us to have a place, then God's going to do it in His time. But we're not going to get ahead of God. We're not going to try to make something happen that isn't of God. You know, we, we've gotten this far in eight years at Orchard Church because we've always tried to stay right in step with God. We certainly don't want to change that now. Amen, church? So if God has something for us, we're waiting on Him. We're waiting on Him. Uh, we, we had a really cool thing happen in our small group a couple of semesters ago that just show you how God rewards faith. And there was this couple in our small group, and I want you to hold this picture for a moment. Um, did you show? You didn't show it, did you? Okay, good. <laughs> um, I don't have the monitor to see today. So there was this couple in our small group, and. Uh, you know, when we always ask when we start a new small group, how can we be praying for each other? That's one of the beauties of small group. How can we serve each other? How can we pray for one another, encourage one another, and talk about God's word together? And so we took prayer requests, and there was this young couple in our group, and they said, you know, we've been wanting a child. We've been praying for a child. We've been trying to have a child, and and we'd love for you to pray for us that you know if God would, in His timing, give us a child. And they told us they had you know tried everything naturally. They had tried some things medically. And they were like on their second or third try of some medical procedures. And they said, if this doesn't work, you know, we're just going to give up. And, and we started praying for them and praying for them and praying for them. And then finally, I, I said to them, I said, you know what? I don't think you're giving up if you stop the medical procedures. I think what you're doing is you're just putting it in God's hands. And maybe God just wants it just to happen supernaturally. You know, where you're really not even trying medically or even naturally necessary. And God just wants it just to happen so that He gets all the glory and He gets all the praise and He gets all the credit. And so we started praying that way as a group. And they were just like, you know, whatever happens, you know, happens. And I mean, they were doing their part to an extent, y'all. understand. But, you know, it wasn't like this driving thing. We got to have a baby. And they just put it in God's hands. And they said, you know, God's going to do what He's going to do. And it was just towards the end... Of our small group that one, call, one night I got a phone call from them. And they said, uh, guess what? And I said, what? And they said, we're pregnant. It's totally a God thing. You know, God's done it. He's Mark and Amanda McCombs. And so this is, this is what they look like right now. This picture was taken last week. And uh, yeah, isn't that awesome? So be praying for Amanda. Uh, she's going to be due here. I asked her, I called her on the phone, I said, aren't you due like this week? Because I'd love to show a picture of the baby. She's like, no, it's four weeks, you know. So, so in a few weeks, they're planning to have uh, their little baby boy. And so it, it was just a cool story of how God rewards our faith when we wait on Him and we trust Him. You know, God rewarded Noah's faith. He protected them in the ark for over a year. He, he prepared the earth for them to get off the ark. And now that they're off the ark, they have this brand new beginning. That God rewards them with. And I just want to ask you guys today. Is God preparing a new beginning for you? He may be right now behind the scenes working to prepare a new beginning. Through this trial or storm of your life. And you just got to be willing to wait. You got to be willing to be patient. You got to be willing to let God do his work. And then give the instructions. Isaiah 40 verse 31. We sang about it this morning in worship. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. But those who what church? wait we hate that don't we but that's when God does his best work when we wait on the Lord this this chapter is so encouraging because we see God remembers his own he renews his world he rewards faith and when God does those things you know what else happens you have this in your notes number four God receives worship when God rewards our faith that he receives worship notice what Noah does then Noah, he gets, he steps off the ark to God's command. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he took every clean animal and every clean bird and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. This is a picture of God smelling the worship that is pleasing to him. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. We're still sinners. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done in the way of a flood. And he says in in verse 22, and it's kind of a poem, and he's talking about the seasons will now continue naturally because for over a year it, it wasn't natural. The whole earth was flooded. He says, while the earth remains, which ought to let us know. Notice it says, while the earth remains, which reminds us that it will not always remain. You read the book of Revelation, one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And God will destroy this earth. Not with a flood, because he promised never to do that, but with fire. And, but while the earth remains, until that time, seed time and harvest. That's a, that's a season. Cold and heat. Winter and summer. Day and night shall not cease. But here's what I want you to see that happens here. Noah and his family step off the boat. And what did Noah do first? He's been on this ark for over a year with his family. And and he steps for the first time in over a year on dry ground. What did he do first? I mean, did he he go want to play golf? Did he want to go hunting? Did he he look for the closest Starbucks that he hadn't had in over a year? Man, I got to have a Starbucks. I mean, because whatever Noah does first lets you know that that is the most important and urgent priority in his life. What would you have done first? What did he do first? He worshiped God. The very first thing Noah did the moment he stepped up the ark was he built an altar and he began to worship God. What a challenge for all of us. Is that our most urgent priority in our life? To worship God more than anything else? You know, we started Noah's story in chapter 6 and it said God was grieved that he ever made man. But now we see in chapter 8, God is pleased as the man of God, Noah, is worshiping his heavenly father who has taken care of him, who has protected him, who has provided for him, who has fulfilled his promise. And what I want you to notice here, as we've studied Noah's story, over and over God has told Noah everything to do step by step. He told him exactly how to build the ark, the measurements, the the height, the width, the length, all of that. He told him when to get on the boat. He told him when to get off the boat. God has given him step by step instructions. But did you notice here in verse 20, it doesn't say God told Noah. Noah just did it. It was the natural response to his God and creator who had saved his life and his family and given him a new beginning. You see, we talked about here that God, it started out in verse 1, God remembered Noah, but now Noah is remembering God. How often, though, do we forget God. This, was a, this worship was a natural response of Noah to his God. It was the natural thing to do. Worship ought to be the natural response of our lives to the God who loves us, created us, has saved us, has given us our families, our jobs, our houses, everything we have. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from above. But if we're not careful, folks, we'll just sail through life and forget to stop and do what is natural, which is worship God. And make that the most important priority of our life. And that ought to be something that is natural. It ought not be something that God has to tell us to do. It ought to be something we want to do. You know, I praise God that we have, you know, Gary as our worship director because I know his heart to lead us in true worship. It is not his heart to be up here and entertain or anything like that. It's to lead you guys in corporate worship every week. But listen, I know this is also his heart. Our Sundays, when we come together corporately, ought to be an overflow of what we're doing individually all week long. I hope Sunday morning at nine o'clock or ten forty five is not the only time you stop to worship God. It ought to be a way of life. But Romans says in Romans chapter 12 that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And worship is not just singing. That's part of it. But it's living a life in obedience and patience and glory and honor to God. And that ought to be the natural response of our life to our God just like it was for Noah. You know, Gary shouldn't have to get up here and be a cheerleader every Sunday. Now he does a good job of getting us to worship but he ought not have to do that. He ought not have to do that. If we're like Noah and we recognize and remember everything that God has done, we ought to be busting in these doors every Sunday. We cannot wait to sing praises to our God and Creator. And there ought to be nothing that should stop that. Thank you for a few of you who clapped. Should have been everybody. Try that again. All right, give me a second. All right. We do serve a God of second chances. As we are going to see in just a moment. And as I read this and I thought about how how the Lord smelled this soothing aroma and He was so pleased with the worship of Noah, I, I I, I just put this in my notes and I asked myself this question. Does God smell a soothing aroma from Orchard Church's worship? I hope so. Does God smell a soothing aroma from your worship? From your worship? Because if He does from all of us individually, then He will from us collectively. I hope our worship does not stink to God. I think some Sundays, if we'd be honest, it might. It might. But I hope it won't. And I hope it's a natural response because our God is so deserving of our worship. And it ought to be natural like it was with Noah. And then finally we see that the God of new beginnings reveals a new beginning for Noah and his family. Look at, look at chapter 9 verse 1. God reveals a new beginning. So God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. There it is again. And fill the earth. And then God gives some specific instructions for them in their new life. And we're going to jump over that and go to verse 12. And God says, This is the sign of the covenant. And a covenant is a promise, an agreement. This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me, God, and you, Noah, and every living creature that is with you, the animals, for perpetual generations. God's about to make a covenant sign that's not just for Noah and his family and animals then, but it's also for us today. We're part of the perpetual generations, amen? What is this sign of the covenant? Verse 13, I set my, everybody say it, church, rainbow. Rainbow. There's the rainbow. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. I read a lot of different commentators on this. And it varies in the views, but, but I'll tell you which one I, I tend to believe. A lot of people say, well, this was the first time a rainbow ever appeared on the earth. Others say, no, it probably wasn't the first time, but it was the first time God turned the rainbow into a symbol. I, I tend to lean that way. I think there have been rainbows before, but God says, you know that rainbow that happens after it rains and the sun comes out? From now on, that's going to have meaning. That's going to have meaning. One day we'll ask God, we'll know the truth, but anyway, just a little extra there. But, it, but here's the key. From now on, whether it was the first time or it's happened before, the rainbow is is a sign of the covenant. And it shall be when I bring a cloud of the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember, God says, I will remember my covenant, my promise and agreement which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between me. God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. He gives this covenant sign, which is the the rainbow. And throughout the Bible, you'll notice when God makes a promise or a covenant, he gives some kind of sign or symbol as a remembrance of that covenant that God has given. We're going to look at the story of Abraham next. And Abraham, God promised to make him a great nation, the nation of Israel. And he made that covenant with Abraham and made that promise. And so he gave him a sign. He gave him a symbol of that covenant. Y'all remember what it is? (laughs) yeah circumcision that's what it is I mean a hundred year old man with a flint knife has to circumcise himself as a symbol of the covenant that's that's just what it's true you'll see that the guys are like ah." I mean you know Hebrews says that Abraham was a man of great faith yes he was yes he was but that was the symbol that was the sign of the covenant You know, Christians today, we have a symbol and sign of the covenant of what God did to give His body and blood for us. It's called communion. It's a symbol. It's a picture of that covenant that we, the relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ, through His body and blood. Next Sunday morning, you don't want to miss it. We're going to have communion right here at Orchard Church on Sunday morning. And it's going to be a remembrance of the sign of the covenant. You know what else is a sign and a symbol of the covenant of our relationship with God? Water baptism. We got about 10 or 12 people, I believe, today that are gonna be water baptized after the services. You'll see the video in a couple of weeks. It's a symbol of the covenant of their relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you know, in, in marriage, what we have a symbol of the covenant. It's called a ring, a wedding ring. It's a symbol. And so God says here, I'm going I want there to be a symbol and a sign of the covenant of this new beginning, and then I'll never flood the earth and destroy everything with a flood again. And he says it's a rainbow. It's a rainbow. I read one commentator said that the the word bow that's used to describe the rainbow is the same word bow in the Hebrew like the warrior's bow. And it's as if God hung up his bow. He said, I'm never going to destroy the earth with a flood again. And he hung up his bow. I thought that was a pretty cool picture. And God kept his covenant with Noah. And he allowed him and his family and all of mankind a new beginning. Had that not happened with Noah, y'all, we wouldn't be here today. God could have just destroyed every living thing and that was the end of history. But we're here because of this covenant of God and this new beginning. And I I want to close very practically this morning. And I want to ask you this, and I just want you to listen. Have you ever needed a new beginning? Maybe you need a new beginning today. Maybe you need a do over, a, a second chance. You know, one of the things I love about playing golf is we have this little rule called a mulligan. I love mulligans, they're great. You can't, you can't overuse them, but you know, we'll like, first tee, you know, we're playing, you know, first tee, we're like, oh, we didn't get a chance to warm up, take a mulligan. You know, and if I hit a good one, I'm like, I'll save mine for later, because I know I'll it on, need it on another tee. But you get this do-over, you get this second chance, and we see here that God gave mankind a mulligan. He, he gave him a second chance, He gave him a do-over, He gives him a new beginning through Noah and his family and his faith. And maybe you're here today and you need a new beginning. Then you're in the right place. Maybe you need a new beginning in, with your marriage. Maybe you need a new beginning with your relationship with your kids. Maybe another relationship needs a new beginning. Maybe you need a, a new beginning in your career or your job or your finances. Maybe you need a new beginning in your relationship with God. With God. Well, I got some great news. Jesus Christ specializes in new beginnings. Boy, and I'm thankful for that. Jesus Christ specializes in new beginnings. You have this in your notes. Jesus doesn't want to just, for you to just turn over a new leaf. He wants to give you new life. And there's a difference. Second Corinthians 5, 17, I quoted it last week, I'm going to quote it again this week. It says this, therefore, if anyone is, say it, church, in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. Because I want you to understand that for Noah and his family, the new beginning came because they were in the ark. They put their faith in what God said to get in the ark. Today, our spiritual ark is Christ. Just like they were safe and saved and had a new beginning because they were in the ark, today we are safe and saved and have a new beginning when we are in Christ. And, And Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, guess what? He's a new creation. He has a fresh start, a new beginning. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what, church? New. And I ask you this morning, are you in Christ Noah and his family were only safe and only experienced a new beginning because they were in the ark. Are you in the ark today? And that ark is a person and his name is Jesus. You can have a new beginning in your life today when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you get in Christ. You know what's sad though? A lot of people have... have gotten in Christ they have put their faith in Christ they've gotten on the ark they, they know they're safe and secure like Noah was because they're in Christ they're in the ark but listen we sometimes just walk out of the ark and we just do our own thing and we forget the God who put us in the ark and put us in Christ and who saved us and has done all this for us and we're not careful we can sometimes drift away from that ark and just kind of do our own thing maybe that's you today maybe you'd say you know there was a time and place in my life I accepted Christ I, I entered that new relationship but I know that I, am, I have walked away a little bit from God. I'm not as close to Him as I once was. I know it and God knows it. And you know what? If you don't feel as close to God as you once did, somebody moved. And I've got news for you. It wasn't God. It wasn't God. And maybe for some of you even as Christians today, some of you need to become Christians today. You've never been in Christ. You've never gotten in the ark. And it's time to get on board by faith. For some of you, you've made that decision, but you've, you've drifted away a little bit. And maybe you need a new beginning today in your relationship with God. You know, I thank God for second chances. Uh, some of you know my testimony. I was raised in a Christian home. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was eight years old. On July 4th, 1976, I remember it like it was yesterday. For, for the first time, I was sitting in service and not sleeping on my mom's lap. I was actually listening to the message. And God convicted my heart. And I went to the pastor afterward and I said, I, I, I need to be saved. I need to put my faith in Christ. And I made that decision. And I, Man, I was on fire for God. I remember through my teen years, I was a leader in my youth group. I was bringing friends to Christ all the time. Then I turned 16. I got a, I got a girlfriend. I got a job. I got out of church. Started doing my own thing for about the next six years. I just kind of did my own thing. I was kind of like, oh, I still believe in Jesus and all that. But, you know, God, I'll let you know if I need you. And I proceeded to just screw up my life for the next six years Until finally one day a friend of mine that I'd grown up with in church invited me back to church. I hadn't been to church except for Christmas and Easter for about four years. Just to make my mom happy. And this friend invited me to church. I went to church and God convicted me that I I had drifted far away from him. And he gave me a second chance. He gave me a do-over. He gave me a new beginning. And that summer God turned my life around. Instead of going back to my secular university I went off to a seminary Bible college and Became a pastor, and here I am today. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a living testimony of a God of second chances. If He can do it for me, He can do it for anybody. He can do it for you. And maybe that's what you need today. A new beginning. And you know, I, I was just thinking about how, how to close this. And I was, here's, what, here's my thought. And it's kind of interesting what God did. It, wasn't it weird that this morning, of all mornings, it's kind of drizzly and rainy outside in Colorado? I'm like, what? what is this? I feel like I was back in Oklahoma. You know, I brag to people all the time. Oh, it never rains in the morning here. You know, it's all this. I, I, wouldn't it be crazy if later today at some point we all saw a rainbow? And you know what would be really cool? Is if today was the day of new beginnings for some of you. If today was the day that some of you got in the ark, you, you put your faith in Christ. And from now on, that rainbow will be a symbol to you of the new beginning God brought in your life. Maybe for some of you today, you've drifted away from God, and it's time to come back and you make that decision in, in the middle of Noah's story, in the, in the study in Genesis. And from now on, every time you see a rainbow, you remember that he's not only the God of new beginnings for mankind, but he's the God of new beginnings for you. That's the way I think. I see that rainbow, and I, it reminds me of the new beginning and second chance God gave me in my life. And God can do that for you today. Would you bow your heads this morning? Well, that's bowed nice and eyes closed for just a moment. I first want to ask you, if you're here today... And you've never put your faith in Christ. If you've never gotten on the ark, whose name is Jesus, we invite you. Those of us who are on the ark, those of us who are in Christ, who are in the ark, we we stand at the door and we beg you today, would would you put your faith and trust in Christ so you can be forgiven, so you can be saved, so you can have hope, so you can have life, you can have a new beginning and walk with Jesus? If you've never put your faith in Christ, would you do that today? And if you're here today, you say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready for a new beginning. I'm ready for a fresh start. I'm ready for a second chance. I've never put my faith in Christ. I've never gotten in the ark who is Christ, but I'm ready to do that today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith. And it's it's not the words you say. It's not the prayer that saves you or gets you in the ark, but it's your faith. And if you, by faith, are ready to get in the ark today, whose name is Jesus, From your heart to God's right where you sit, would you pray this prayer with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And by faith today, I accept you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to be in you. I want to be safe. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. And so by faith today, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me new life and a new beginning. Thank you. I worship you like Noah did. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer of faith today for the very first time in your life, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I want to pray for you and your new walk with Christ. And that you grow in your relationship with Him. Would you just slip up your hand as a testimony all across the auditorium? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith for the first time today. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, thank you. Just slip it up just so I can see it real quick and put it down. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith for the first time. I made sure today that I am in Christ. That I am in the ark. And that I am safe. Anyone else? Lord, we thank you and praise you for those who put their faith and trust in you today. We pray that they would grow in that relationship every day forward. That we would as a church meet them where they are, minister to them, disciple them to grow in their relationship with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, for those of you that are here today, you know that you're in the ark. You know that you're in Christ. But do you need a new beginning? Maybe for your marriage, your kids, your finances, your life. You you just say, "I, I need a second chance. I need a new beginning. I, need, I know I need a, a fresh start. Maybe it's with God Himself. And you know that, Christian. Can I pray for you today, all across the side of the room? Would you slip up your hands? Yes, I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start, a second chance. Thank you. Hands are everywhere. Let me pray for you, Lord. I pray for all the believers here today that are in you, however they need a new beginning in their life, whether it's in, in, in a relationship with you or with their spouse or their kids or finances, that you would help them to have the patience and obedience and faith to wait on you like Noah did. And that in your timing, In your time, they would wait on the Lord and you would renew their strength. For those that are going through trials, for those that are going through storms, I pray for them, Lord, that they would remember today that you are a God that remembers your own. That you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us. I pray that they would just hang in there and they would wait patiently on you. And I pray, God, that every one of us as believers today, we would respond in worship to your goodness like Noah did. That nobody would have to tell us to. That nobody would have to cheerlead us to. That it would be a natural response of our lives to a God who has given us a new beginning. A second chance and a do-over who has given us life. And we praise you and we thank you for that today, God. And may we never, ever take it for granted that you are the God of new beginnings. And we praise you. With all of our heart and soul today, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.